little Johnny, not Johnny Walters. <laughs> maybe, maybe it was. Let me, let me know if the story sounds familiar to you. He had to stay home sick from church Sunday morning. And so mom stayed with him, and dad went to church. And, and when he came home, dad had a palm branch in his hand. And Johnny's all, Dad, where did you get the palm branch? He said, well, we got it at church today. They gave them out. We don't do that here because Pastor Kerry is definitely allergic to palm branches. So, But, but Johnny said, told his dad, well, we got it at church. Or dad told Johnny, we got it at church today because it's Palm Sunday. And so everybody had got palm branch, branches because Jesus was coming into town. And he says, oh, shucks. The one day I miss church is the day Jesus shows up. <laughs> Taking comfort. Some of you, a couple more minutes. I didn't do that joke. I, I tried to move away from my notes on that one. Maybe I messed it up. Uh, maybe that maybe that was on me. So. <laughs> Sounded good. Uh, you know, Jesus shows up, though. Jesus shows up every time we get together where two or more are gathered in his name. He is there in the midst of them. And so today on Palm Sunday, we talk about the triumphal entry, and we talk about the day that Jesus came to town, and that's what I kind of call this sermon, the, the day Jesus comes to town, because stuff happens when Jesus comes to town, amen? amen? Stuff happens when Jesus shows up. I like it when Jesus shows up. Matter of fact, if Jesus doesn't show up, I feel like I wasted my time. Why did I even go down there? Right? Well, I guess just to hang out with you, Teresa, is one reason to come down here, because we like to hang out together. But, man, I'm here because I want Jesus to be in the room, doing great things, ministering to the hurting, inviting the lost, setting captives free, doing what only Jesus can do. So, I want to talk to you today about our response when Jesus comes to town, what our response should be. Okay, and we're going to take this right out, right out of the Bible. Is that okay? This is church. So we're going to take this right out of Matthew chapter 21. So if you have your Bible, you might want to turn there because we're going to spend the majority of our time there. We'll bounce around just a little bit. But the majority of the verses that I have for you today are out of Matthew 21. Verses 1 through 11, please. The Bible says in Matthew 21, 1 through 7, Now drew near to Jerusalem and came to Bethpage at the Mount of Olives. Then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village opposite you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Loose them and bring them to me. And if anyone says anything to you, you shall say, The Lord has need of them. And immediately he sent them. And all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet, saying, Tell the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, lowly and sitting on a donkey, a colt, the fowl of the donkey. So the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them. They brought the donkey and the colt and laid their clothes on them and set him on them. Let me pray. Lord, we invite you to town. <laughs> we invite you and your presence into this room. You're already here, Lord, but if you would just be with us as we break open your word and we learn about that day over 2,000 years ago where you entered into a town and you were hailed as king. Let us hail you as king in this room today. 
Jesus' name. So the first thing I see in the scripture here is, is when Jesus comes to town, there's obedience. There is obedience. There's always going to be obedience. But there's, there's two types of obedience that I want to point out to you this morning, okay? The first one is a predicted obedience, all right? That's, that's your letter A in your notes there. If you, don't have a, if you don't have notes, they're right here. We can get some to you if you'd like to take some. Anybody need one of these? I'll have somebody bring one. No? Good? Okay. Praise the Lord. So there's a predicted obedience all throughout the word of God. Jesus knew that he was coming to Jerusalem, and he sent his two disciples to go and to, and to prepare the way, if you will, to get a colt and a donkey. There were things that he needed to have. It was predicted in the Bible. Matter of fact, well, let me take you back over there. Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9, it says this. It says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. He is just and having salvation lowly and riding on a donkey, a colt, the fowl of a donkey. Listen, the term daughter of Zion here is referring to a loving, caring, and patient relationship that the Lord has with his children. I don't know about you, but I am glad he is patient with me. I am glad he is loving towards me because I know this is going to shock you, but sometimes I'm unlovable. See, I know, I know, I know, I know. That's why I'm preaching from down here, because I'm not on a pedestal today. I am. <laughs> Sometimes, you could ask my wife. No, don't ask her. You could ask my kids. No, don't ask them either. They'll give you too much information. I always tell you, if I want to know anything about you, I'll just ask your kids, right? Did you know we're also, we are waiting patiently for the second coming of our king. And I believe that time is getting closer and closer and closer. And that is predicted throughout the entire word of God, that he is coming. He is coming to receive his bride. We're the bride of Christ. We're clothed in righteousness if you are under the blood of Jesus. See, there's other things, there's a lot of other things that are predicted throughout the Word of God uh, that are predicted obediences, because I know it's kind of hard to understand what I'm talking about. Here, let me give you one. It says, the Bible says on that day that every knee will bow and every tongue confess. Listen, whether you think you will or you think you won't, you will. Oh, no, I won't. He can't make me. (laughs) He he is going to make you. (laughs) I, I, I prefer practicing on this side of eternity. <laughs> yeah. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. I confess I am a broken man saved by grace. There's also another thing that's going to happen that's predicted throughout the Word of God that we're all, even us Christians, us faithful ones, us, us with shiny crowns, we get to stand before the Lord and give an account for the things, the actions that we've taken while we've been on this planet. These are things that have been predicted throughout the Word of God. That's what I'm talking about, predicted obedience. There are things that God has written. Listen, there are things in His Word that are true no matter what you do. There are promises concerning your life that have been predictions and, and prophecies over you that God is going to fulfill in your life. It's quiet in here. Thank you, Crystal. You can receive it. You can claim all of that stuff. 
Pentecostal church. You can blab it and grab it. Go for it. Go ahead. Hallelujah. Name it and claim it. Yeah. That's whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. And just like the disciples, we're supposed to be, we're not supposed to be just sitting around, but we're supposed to be busy doing our Father's work. Doing the kingdom work. Thank you for all of you that showed up last week and, and helped pass out uh, the postcards. That was great. Please take some with you because we have, I don't want to throw any postcards away. Take them to work. Put them on a counter. Take them to your neighborhood. Walk them around your neighborhood. Do something with them that will get them in the hands of people that might need them uh, because I'd rather give them away than throw them away. Amen? But there's a lot of work to be done. So predicted obedience. And number two, there's willful obedience, Okay. There's, a, there's an obedience that has to come from our will. We have to be willing to do some of the things that God has asked us to do. The Bible says that the disciples, they went. They went. Do you realize that how powerful of a statement that is? Pastor Stu taught on this last week. He did a great job. I miss my friend. And pray for Sweden. They had a terrorist attack already. Pastor Stu was okay. Okay. But they had a terrorist attack, and so he's already foot on the ground. God has him there for a reason. He's praying, and he's doing all that he can to be, to be light there. Amen. Praise God for that. But we were sent. How many times have we been called to go, and we just don't do it? How many times have we just, okay, God, when I'm done with lunch, I'll go. And then I'm so full, I need a nap. I'll go after my nap, Lord. Well, now I'm kind of groggy. Can I go tomorrow? <laughs> yes, I was at your house yesterday. I know. But the great, the great commission is to go. It's to go. Do you remember the story of Jonah? <laughs> he was called to go, but he just wasn't willing. And much less when he got there did he do immediately what he was supposed to do. And he whined the whole way. Listen, listen to me. Listen. Willful obedience. Willful, willful obedience. God is preparing a fish just your size. That's right. <laughs> that, that might approach the term predicted obedience there. God has prepared a fish just your size. You can go willingly, like, yes, Lord, or willingly kicking and streaming. No! I did that coming all the way to Las Vegas. No! That's north. I'm supposed to be going south. That's what Jonah did. He ran south instead of going north. And I'm glad I'm here. No, I'm not. I'm not. I'm jealous of people that are at the beach, going to the beach. No invitation extended to me, but, but I am glad I'm here. If I want the beach, I'll just go to Mandalay Bay, okay? Thank you very much. The Bible says in verse 6 that the disciples went and did exactly as Jesus told them to do. Look at verse 6. I didn't put it up there for... For Andrew to throw it at us, but here, he might be able to grab it. So the disciples went and Jesus did as Jesus commanded them. They, they just went. They just went. Did as Jesus commanded. The Bible tells us, listen, not to be hearers only. 
but to be doers of the Word of God. The Bible also says to obey is better than sacrifice. You don't understand how much I give. Okay, I'm cool with that. You don't know how much I sacrifice, Pastor Ron. You know what? Maybe I don't, and I'm, I'm proud of you. I'm glad that you do. But are you obeying the Lord in your sacrifice? Are, are you doing as he asks? Are you, are you giving where you want to give? Or are you giving where the Lord has spoken to you to give? Are you talking to the people that you're most comfortable with talking to? Or are you talking to people that you're uncomfortable talking to when the Lord speaks to you? Can I be honest for a minute? Gosh, I hate being honest. I hate preaching. I love preaching, but I'm always too, I'm too transparent with you. Last week, giving out flyers, I got to talk to a lot of people. And I was not rejected by any of them. Nobody said, get, your, get out of my face with your flyer. But there were a couple of people I thought, I don't want to go up there. Oh, I did go. I didn't want to go. But I said, shut up, flesh. Going. And I went. I told the disciples, I'm going to go get a donkey. Jesus has lost his mind. I know, but we better go get a donkey because that's what he said to do. Huh? Man, if Jesus tells you to go get a donkey, go get a donkey. What about this one? It tells us to wait on the Lord. I'm not very good at that one. We're gonna move. Matter of fact, we're gonna move on right now. It all, <laughs> it also says that we must deny ourselves. It also says that we need to take up our cross. It also says that we need to offer our bodies as a living sacrifice to the Lord. And that text goes on to say that it's a living acceptable sacrifice to him. It's holy and pleasing to him. And it's his perfect will. Pastor Ron, what is the will of God for my life? To offer your body as a living sacrifice? Really, that's the answer. That is the answer. Offer yourself to the Lord. Whatever you want from me, Lord, I'll do it. Why? Why? Because Romans 5.19 tells us that through the willful obedience of Jesus Christ, we're made, we're made righteous. Amen. Because of Jesus' willing obedience, we became righteous. So think of the power that our willing obedience has in, 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 in the realm of darkness. Think of how much light we would, we would expose to the darkness if we would just be willing to go into the places that he's calling us to go. What have you read in his word, heard preached, or been taught lately that you're not being obedient to? That's a question for you to answer. So when Jesus comes to town, there's number one, obedience. Number two, when Jesus comes to town, the response is exaltation. I'm helping you with that. Let's read the text here. Matthew chapter 21, verse 8 and 9, it says, and a very great multitude spread their clothes on the road. Others cut down branches from the trees and spread them on the road. And then the multitudes who went before and those who followed cried out, saying, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he who comes 
in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Exaltation basically is making a fuss. It's making a big deal about Jesus coming to town. It's, it's exalting him. It's giving him the highest praise. It's giving him glory. It's, it's being excited about Jesus. It's, a, it's like Sunday morning, man. When I get up, I can't wait to get to church because I know that Jesus is going to be there. Amen? And I know that you're going to be there too, and we get to worship him together, and that excites me. And I love coming to this church because you guys know how to worship the Lord. And you like to make a big fuss. The disciples started it. They put their, their coats on the ground, the Bible says. Man, that's making a big deal. That's like, in our culture, that'd be like rolling out the red carpet. We do it for kings and people, presidents, celebrities, yeah. God, watch the celebrity thing. What is that called? Yeah, Golden Globes. Watch any of that stuff or the, the music awards, man. They're, you guys are all polished up. They're being exalted. Sometimes we come to church and we have a hard time giving him praise. The crowd continued it. They did the same thing. They put their clothes on the road. They put palm branches down. They were even waving them around. Exalting the king. In Bible times, palm branches symbolized victory. They are often put on coins and important buildings. And this text isn't up there, but in 1 Kings verse, chapter 6, verse 29, it says that, that Solomon had, had carved palm trees into the buildings because it symbolized victory. And listen, we're going to be exalting him that way again soon. Look at what Revelation chapter 7 says. It says, After these things I looked, and behold, a great multitude, which no one could number, of all tribes... Nations, peoples, and tongues standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes, with palm branches in their hands. We're going to be exalting the King of Kings one day, amen, in His presence for eternity. So exaltation is making a fuss or a big deal. It's also making noise. If you did it, yeah, you guys are good at that. I'm glad this is not the first church of the frozen chosen, amen. I'm glad that you guys aren't afraid to make a little bit of noise. Verse 9 said, the people cried out. They made a little bit of noise. Why do you guys get so loud in worship, Pastor? Because you're supposed to. You're supposed to exalt the king. You're supposed to glorify him with your, with your voice, amen? Shout unto God with a voice of triumph. Don't let me get you guys all excited, I know. One commentator said that the crowd could have been as many as two to three million people because people were flooding to Jerusalem for the Passover. Can you imagine that? I would like to be in a stadium with two to three million people exalting the name of Jesus. I've been in stadiums with 50, 60, 75,000 people exalting the name of Jesus. And I'll tell you, it gives you goosebumps on your goosebumps. Well, but we don't go by goosebumps, Pastor Ron. I know, but I like goosebumps. Right. Nothing wrong with a good goosebump here and there, amen? Here's a question for you. Have you ever cried out to Jesus? Maybe in the middle of a pain, maybe during a crisis, maybe out of a fit of rage. Come on, be honest. Anybody ever yell at God because you're mad at him? 
Man, I've been mad at God. Guess what? He's tough enough to take it. Doesn't make it right. God definitely wasn't wrong. I was wrong. But I've been angry with him before. Taking people I love. But here's a question. Have you ever cried out to him just to praise his name? Just to praise. Why don't we do that right now? Why don't we just give him praise right now? Lord, hallelujah. Go ahead. If you don't know how to do it with your mouth, do it with your hands. Go ahead. Psalms 99 verse 9 says this, Exalt the Lord our God and worship at his holy hill, for the Lord your God is holy. I I don't need any reason. I don't need any tangible thing. I don't need a miracle. I don't need a healing. I don't need a financial blessing. All I need is Jesus because he's worthy of all praise. It's worthy to be exalted. And it's okay to make a little bit of noise. I, I don't know. Sometimes the greatest victory I've, I've had is just, even by myself, just, just shouting. Just, just getting it out, amen. Just, sometimes we're so bottled up and we're so frustrated and we're so tense. And sometimes that's just how I'm wired. Not everybody's wired that way. I know that. But man, maybe if you're still wound up tight, maybe you need to shout it out. I don't know. The crowd cried out, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Listen, Hosanna, that word means save us now. (laughs) And it carries with it this sense of praise, adoration, and joy. Listen, we don't shout just because to shout. We we, we make noise with, with praise and adoration and joy and we exalt the king of kings because we're so delighted that he showed up that he came to town amen that he came into my life and he's making a difference isn't it appropriate that when jesus shows up people say shout save us now isn't that what we desire at grapevine isn't that what every christian longs for the their family and their friends and the people they associate with would one day shout Jesus, save us now. Be Lord of my life. Change my world. Number one, Jesus comes to town. The response is obedience. Number two, the response is exaltation. This one's kind of worded weird, but go with me, okay? Questions. When Jesus up, man, it, it opens up a whole bunch of questions. People are searching and people are questioning and people are trying to figure out what's going on in their lives. And let's read verses uh, 10 through 11 in Matthew 21. When he had come to Jerusalem and all the city was moved, saying, who is this? So the multitude said, this is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth of Galilee. I love that. I love that term and it's your first Fill in there, a city has moved. See, listen, when people, when Jesus shows up, people want to know what's going on. When Jesus shows up, 
People want to know what, what is going on. What, what is going on at that church? What is going on in that person's life? Remember when you got saved, and maybe it still happens for you. I hope it does. But do you remember when you first got saved and you were so excited and, and people would always ask you, hey, what's the matter with you? <laughs> You're different. Yeah, you look different. You, you sound different. You talk different. You eat different. You, you smell different. <laughs> for some of you, that's a good thing. But when, when Jesus shows up in your life, people want to know what's going on. They just want to know, what is it? What's different about you? That's what's going on in our story. Jesus came to town, and people want to know, what's all the excitement? Why everybody shouting? Why everybody throwing down palm branches? And they're throwing their clothes on the ground so this guy riding a donkey can come through. Somebody owes me a pizza. Thank you very much. <laughs> There's an interesting note on the, on the word moved here, okay, from this passage. Other translations, who has the NIV? Stirred, huh? It says stirred, stirred up. It means to be stirred up. It, it, it actually has the same word that to, to describe, used to describe an earthquake. And it's the Greek word, it's called seo, and it means to shake or to move to and fro. So listen, when Jesus shows up in your life, things get shaky, amen? Things start getting stirred up a little bit. He flips things upside down like tables and life and sin nature and depression and anger and jealousy and resentment. He flips those things upside down. See, he moves, he, he comes into your life and he stirs you up. He moves your heart. You're not the same person anymore, are you? I don't think the way I used to think. I don't talk the way I used to talk. I don't act the way I used to act. Thank God for that. Thank God, because you wouldn't want to be around me back then. I mean, does Jesus know how to make an entrance or what? I mean, okay. At my worst. At my worst. Literally, inches from death. Physically, emotionally, I was already dead spiritually. When the judge wanted to throw away the key, when my mom turned gray, <laughs> worrying about me, thinking, thinking I'll never get it. I'm going to die like my dad. That's when Jesus showed up in my life. What about your story? What did you, Brandy, coming up on seven, six years? It's impossible. People told you it won't happen. It'll never happen. You're too far gone. You're too addicted. It is impossible, but with Christ, all things are possible. See, these are the kind of stories that I want to put on cardboard next week. These are the kind of things that I, that I want you to show our visitors next week. Hey, this is who I used to be, dead. Now I'm alive, amen? 
And I'm asking for several of you to, to stay after. We're almost done right now. Stay after just for a couple minutes. Matter of fact, I'm going to ask the room to leave and those stand so we can take care of it. Don't go get your kids first. I'm only going to take five minutes of your time. Stay as soon as I pray. The rest of you that aren't staying to do the, bap, the, the cardboard testimony, go ahead and go outside the courtyard and talk because I want to take care of the meeting so those that have kids can stay. But I need 20, 25, 30 of you to stick it out because next week we're going to blow somebody's mind. We're going we're gonna to stir the pot a little bit. Amen? Somebody's going to get saved. I don't really think that the people wanted to know what was going on. I think they wanted to know who was going on. People don't understand that. What happened to you? Jesus? Yeah. What happened to me is Jesus. It's not a what happened to me. It's a who happened to me. Here's the next thing. People talk. Did you notice who asked the questions and who answered the questions? Right? A whole city asked and multitudes answered. That's what the scripture says. What I see in there is group participation. What group are you hanging out in? (laughs) Are you looking for the living among the dead? Are you hanging out with the living? Listen. You hang out in a haircut long enough. I mean, look at Dean Barry. He went to he went to get a haircut with his wife, and look what happened to him. He was hanging out in the bar. He was hanging out in a barber shop and ended up with a haircut. <laughs> he told me yesterday, I'm gonna take Jen to get her haircut. I, I show up today, he's got a haircut, Isaac's got a haircut, the dog's got a haircut. <laughs> you guys spent way too much time in the barber shop. He wanted me to go with him. I'm glad I didn't go. The final answer to the question was this. To, to the question of who is this was, it's Jesus. Was that answer enough for them? It doesn't seem like it was enough for them because the same people who were shouting and crying out Hosanna on Sunday were crying out crucify him five days later. See, the response from the multitude is, oh, it's Jesus, the prophet. Read your text. Is Jesus a prophet to you? Is he more than a, just a friend to you? Is he more than just a teacher to you? Because he can't change your life if he's just a prophet. He can't change your life if he's just a teacher can't change your life if he's just your friend. He has to be your Savior. It's the only God willingly went to the cross. Every other religion has gods that are still dead. My Jesus is alive. He changed my life and he can change yours. Every head bowed right now. Maybe you're here this morning and you just don't know Jesus. You've never asked him to be Lord of your life. You've never invited him to be your Savior. 
you'd be willing to do that right now and you just say it. Mean, it's, it's that simple. The Bible says if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, you're saved. And Jesus becomes more than a prophet, more than a teacher, more than a friend. He becomes your Savior. If that's you, would you just show me your hand? Just lift up your hand. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I see hands all over this church. Incredible. Thank you. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to pray this prayer together as a family. Say, Lord, I need Jesus in my life. Be my Savior. Help me to live for you today for the rest of my life. I confess that I've sinned against you. God is good. Amen. <laughs>